Put your hand up if you think uh, prayer is important. Put your hand up if you think prayer is important. Okay. Most people, I'd say. Um, don't know whether some people just put their hand up because of peer pressure or um, whether you actually think it's important. What I want you to do is um, think about um, what, what God desires in your life and um, on a scale of 0 to 10, I'd like you to, um, to rate the importance of prayer. So 0 being um, waste of time, 10 um, being the highest priority. So in your minds right now, Think about what God desires in our lives and what sort of rating he, um, he desires in our life. Have a number. Now I want you to sort of think about your own life now and think about how much prayer is a priority in your life. So right now, give yourself a score. Is it again, again the same sort of scale, zero being a waste of time, ten being the highest priority? Two scores, how do they match up? God's desires and our desires and our, and our sort of um, what's realistic. Prayer, <coughs> prayer is something that, is, um, something that I have struggled with, to be honest. For years, um, for years I've struggled with commitment and having faith in the power of prayer. I say prayer is important I say that it can transform lives, but how much do I let it influence my life? Recently I've learnt the importance of prayer. It's a discipline that we need to work at. My prayer, Andy Patton myself, our prayer, is that today God would encourage you, inspire, motivate us to change our priority for prayer in our lives. Let's have a look at um, Jesus' Jesus' life and how he considered prayer. The disciples could see that prayer was incredibly important for Jesus. We read in Mark that Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So what do we learn from this? Jesus was obviously a morning person. No, prayer is important. He made it a priority. This wasn't a one-time event. In Luke 5.16 we read that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now if prayer was a real and vital force in the life of Jesus, the Son of God, how much more should we make prayer a priority in our lives? We're just humans. I, I find it interesting that there are two times when Jesus is having an intense prayer session and you find uh, Peter, James and John sleeping once when, he was in, once when he was transfigured and the other when he was in Gethsemane just before his crucifixion. Jesus, knowing all that was about to happen, asked his disciples to do what? To pray. He didn't ask them to read the scriptures or sharpen their swords for battle. He simply asked them to pray. Why? Not because it was the last resort but because he knew it was the best thing they could do. So what I'm going to talk about today is what I'm going to talk about is what is prayer. Throughout Jesus' time on earth, we don't read anywhere that Jesus taught his disciples how to preach or how to run a church, but he did teach them how to pray. He gave them he gave them a model. Thanks, Garth, for reading that passage from Matthew. Um, 
Andy, Pat and I are going to use this example of prayer as a platform to talk about what is prayer, how do we pray and why do we pray. So what is prayer? There are two things that I'd like to bring out um, this morning. First of all, prayer is communication with God. Communication is an important part of our lives. We love to talk, especially girls. Um, The invention of the mobile phone has made it possible for us to talk to anyone just about anywhere around the globe. This phone's pretty good, but um, often if I sort of go into the country, I, um, I lose reception. And um, I often find my batteries dying on this. Well, I want to suggest today that, that prayer is the ultimate mobile phone. We can pray any time, any place. We're not going to run out of battery, and we're always going to have reception with God. So if we have a direct line with God, what do we say to him? Well, we can worship him, we can praise him, we can thank him, we can confess to him and we can make requests of him. Prayer is unique. unique. Since Jesus, our relationship with God has deepened. We have been adopted into the family. In verse 9, Jesus teaches us to address God as our Father in heaven. This is intimate family relationship. This, this, sorry, this intimate family relationship was unknown to believers in the Old Testament. Imagine the disciples hearing this. Did he just say that we can call God our Father? This is the same God that created the universe. This is Yahweh. This is I am. Christians are now encouraged to speak to God as to a loving Heavenly Father. So the first thing, prayer is is communicating with God. The second I want to bring out is that prayer is a humbling experience. I'm not sure what humble pie looks like. Um, In fact, if it looks this good, I'd I'd probably have some a bite every day. Um, But when we come before God in prayer... It's a humbling experience. By praying to God, we acknowledge that we have no power to bring about the things we pray for, but God God has. We are in the position of inferiors to a superior. We have no right to try to force God to do what we want, but By our prayers, we're admitting our own helplessness and our complete dependence on him. We are, in fact, um, in effect, inviting God to work his solution in the matter in which we are praying. How do you start off your prayers? We're taught that God's name should be hallowed. Harold is not his name. Our Father in heaven, Harold be thy name. No, his name is to be hallowed. This is an adjective which means holy, consecrated, sacred, revered, magnified and adored. It's precious. We should begin our prayers with worship. 
Sometimes I get a bit concerned when I hear people say, Hey God, or what's up God? Let's not forget who God is and let's not forget our position. Here Jesus teaches us to address our prayers to God the Father. Since Christ is now in heaven, he is our mediator. But I can't find any instance in the New, in the New Testament where prayer is addressed to the Holy Spirit <coughs> distinctively. This makes sense. For as the Father is in heaven and the Son is at the right hand, the Holy Spirit is in and with believers on earth. Verse 10, your kingdom come. After worship we should pray for the advancement of God's cause, putting his interests first. So before we're even asking for anything, our heart is already focused on God's kingdom. Specifically we can pray for for the day when our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, will set up his kingdom on earth and reign in righteousness. I can't wait for that. Your will be done. In this request we acknowledge that God knows what is best and we surrender our will to his. It also expresses a longing to see his will recognised throughout the whole world. On earth as it is in heaven, this phrase transforms all previous petitions. The worship of God, the sovereign rule of God and the performance of his will are all in a a reality in heaven. But the prayer is that these conditions might exist on earth as they do in heaven. There are just two things I want to touch on with prayer. I know there's lots of more other things. I I want to mention a couple of things that prayer isn't. Prayer is not a shopping list. God isn't a genie who grants us three wishes. We're encouraged to bring our request to God and to seek refuge in him. But God is to be worshipped and our requests are to be in line with his will, not our selfishness. Two, prayer is not a spiritual gift. Everyone has the ability to pray. Prayer isn't just for those super spiritual people. Everyone is called to pray. Number three, prayer is not the same as talking to your best friend. God is sovereign. We can't see God, but we know he is with us. We can talk with him anytime, anywhere. Prayer is not, is not one way, just us talking to God. We need to expect a response. This is not usually an audible voice, but God speaks to us through his word, other people and circumstances. It's communication. Prayer is not a matter of just ticking the box. We don't, we don't pray to be seen, to be seen spiritual or to, to look holy. We pray because we desire to do God's will. So how can we apply this to our lives? Prayer is not an option for those who want to seek God's will. My question for you is, how can you make prayer a higher priority in your life? What are some disciplines that you need to start in your life or maybe refresh in your life or go further in your life. So easy, we'll pick up the phone and we'll maybe call people for, with the exciting news or um, like the other night we'll call the ambulance straight away. Um, but how often do we jump on the phone and call God? How, in those times of need and in those good times, in those times of thanksgiving. Do, do we need to start eating some humble pie? 
As I mentioned earlier, I've struggled with prayer, but I've learned it takes discipline. There's three disciplines that have helped me just recently and I want to share them with you and hopefully they might be an encouragement to you. One thing is having a prayer, a prayer journal or a plan. So each day having something different to pray about. The second is praying with others. So joining with other people in prayer. I've enjoyed um, going next door early, getting to church at not 10 o'clock but at quarter past nine and meeting with other people and praying. It's so encouraging. And Again, in my, in my um, weaknesses, it's funny how I pray about things and I get surprised when God answers. We've been praying for the community here um, in the suburbs and hearing about um, what, what's happened on Tuesday night and what's been happening. I don't know why it blows my mind. Last thing is talk to God throughout the day. Don't just make it a one-off thing. I've got on your mind all the time. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Good morning. And uh, thank you for the chance to share with you this morning some more things that uh, I've been learning about prayer this year. Uh, we've been thinking about prayer and Chris has, uh, has been very helpful in uh, setting ourselves up on prayer as uh, we look at it. And uh, I wonder... If we're honest, if, if like me, you've ever found it hard to pray, you've actually missed out on praying because it all got a bit hard and you got a bit busy and we, we forgot. Or I wonder if again, that, like I've felt in the past, you feel like there's something missing from your prayer life. Maybe you feel like it's just not, there must be something wrong because it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel substantial. I think the bottom line for us is that if our time with God isn't meaningful and significant, we're missing out and we probably already feel like we're missing out if that's the case for us. Of course, just like all of us here today, I'm very much still on my journey and walk with God and so as I talk and share this morning, it's only as someone who knows that I have a long way to go uh, but I really want to share with you how God has really encouraged and grown me in this previous year. Uh, As we look at how to pray this morning, I want to have a a think uh, about Joshua's example and we heard uh, from Evan earlier uh, a bit about Joshua. I want to explore whether the way that we're finding prayer might be perhaps something that we're doing ourselves, we might not be doing ourselves and I want to then look at what happens when we pray the way that God wants us to, the way that he talks about uh, here in Matthew 6. So at our, our leadership training we've looked in depth at Joshua, this son of Nun, Moses' assistant and the guy who went on to succeed Moses. He's an amazing man. After taking over from Moses, Joshua and the people of God accomplished in three days what Moses had been trying to do for 40 years and failed. It's, It's an incredible story and Joshua was at the front, an amazing man of faith and obedience. And as we look in Joshua and we learn from the book, we see It's not because Joshua had great leadership traits. It's not because he was a a born success person. No, the key to Joshua's success was because of his relationship with God, his time with God and his ability to hear God, to listen to him and to talk to God when he needed things. And I think we all intuitively know if someone as successful and powerful as Joshua, if someone as incredible as Jesus needed prayer, 
needed to talk to God and needed God's help, then of course we do too. Once we realise how much we need God's help, we of course find ourselves talking to God and we come to the area uh, we're speaking about, which is prayer. I've been really surprised as I've looked through this topic and thought through Matthew how easy it is for us to end up praying in unhelpful ways. You wouldn't think it would be so easy, but it's actually quite easy to fall into habits which aren't really the way that God intended for us to be doing this. If you uh, check out verses 5 and 6 in Matthew 6, uh, a quick look at that and I think it's pretty obvious to us what mistake is being made there. People are praying so that they look good in front of other people. And there's nothing genuine or pleasing to God about this and of course God sees straight through it. Although we need to watch our motives when we engage in corporate prayer, uh, when we're praying with other people, uh, corporate prayer is very encouraging and I'd encourage us to keep doing that and uh, hopefully in our small groups we're able to pray in a really deep and personal way and support each other uh, in our small groups. However, given, even with all those things, essentially prayer is a private thing between us and God. We should be praying to God because we want to talk to God, not because we want to look good in front of other people. We move on to verse 7 in Matthew 6. And we'll see there, it talks about babbling pagans. And we probably think to ourselves, or at least I did when I first read it, well, I'm not, certainly not a pagan and I'd like to think I don't babble. Uh, this obviously has no relevance for me, but the mistake the person is making here is that he's trying to impress God with long or fancy or repeated words. I wonder if we're honest with ourselves, are there days where we try to impress God or we try to fool God into thinking that nothing's wrong? Verse 8 highlights another area that we need to be mindful of. In verse 8 it says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And we think, well, that's obvious, we know God knows. But I wonder if you've ever found yourself talking to God and, like Chris said, you're doing the shopping list. You're in autopilot, you're just going through the motions, it's another day, it's another prayer time. Well, God, you know that I need this and you know that I need that and you know that, you know... it's just empty, it's just meaningless. I think if we're honest with ourselves, as silly as it is, often, uh, often we find ourselves doing that. And I've got to confess, on Friday morning, as I'm preparing for this talk, I'm sitting there just going through the motions, just on autopilot. Yeah, God, this is my list and da-da-da. And I stopped myself halfway and I went, what am I doing? I can't believe it. It's, it's so easy to fall into that trap. So we look through these verses and we see all these ways that God doesn't want us to pray. And of course the question that comes out of that is, well then, how should we pray? And the very next verse in this passage, in fact the first four words of verse 9 hold the answer. And Chris has already highlighted it to us this morning. Our Father in heaven. God doesn't want us to talk to him like he's not there or like he's impersonal. God wants us to talk to him like our Heavenly Father. And that's because God is our Heavenly Father. He's there listening, waiting for us to talk to him. And just like a loving earthly father, God doesn't want us to come to him with fancy words or with religious terms. He just wants us to talk to him normally, openly, honestly. He wants us to really tell him what's going on in our lives. And just like an earthly father, as well as hearing when we talk, God also wants us to listen for when he talks to us. 
And of course God can talk to each and every one of us however he feels fit. And often often this happens through the word of God as we read that day by day. So I wonder as uh, I encourage you to think personally about what each of us should be talking about with our Heavenly Father, what are these things for you? What are the really important things that we need to be talking to God about? Perhaps it's a moment of great joy last week when someone you know was baptised or a relationship was restored or got an opportunity to share with people coming into the church that might not have been in church for years that enjoy jazz music. Maybe it's uh, those fears that we have about work or about family or friends. Maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe we're worried about failure or about letting people down. Whatever those things are for you and whatever those things are for me, these are the things that we must be talking to God about. Chris has shared with us the model of prayer, verses 9 to 13, uh, the first part, and in a little bit Pat will share with us uh, about the second half. And it, It's a fantastic model for prayer. I encourage you, as we don't have time this morning, to look at all of it in depth, to go away this weekend, just have a read of it, have a think about it, and ask yourself if all of those elements of this prayer are in our times with God. So I would like now to pass on the challenge that I've been given in prayer this year and ask you to think about your own personal prayer time with God. How are you approaching this time and what are you talking about? We've learnt four things this morning. We learnt from verses 5 and 6 that prayer is a private and intimate connection between us and God only. It's got nothing to do with the people around us and looking good in front of them. We learn from verse 7 that we don't need to impress the Lord and in fact we can't impress God. He already knows what's going on. Which takes us to verse 8. God already knows. He doesn't need a shopping list. He wants a relationship and a connection with us. And in verse 9 we see that our Heavenly Father wants us to come to Him as we would come to a loving earthly Father in a warm, intimate and honest way that acknowledges our need for his help and our joy in sharing life with him day by day. I would encourage you for those of us who struggle to pray intimately and honestly with God to take up the Psalms challenge. Uh, I was talking to someone last night and they said they've actually got a mate who has read one proverb every day for 17 years and they found that a really helpful thing for them in walking day by day with God to start their day with a proverb. Well, I would encourage any one of us who struggles in prayer and that intimacy and that honesty and openness with God, start your day with a psalm. When you wake up, have a look through a psalm, read through it, and if you take the psalms challenge, find part of that psalm that is how you're feeling, that you can identify with. If it's not in that psalm, go to the next one. But I think we'll find in most psalms it covers such a range of emotions and David is so good at expressing himself to God that we will be able to find something. And pray that sentence as if that was yours. Pray it as if you wrote it. And that will really help you, as it's helped me these past few months, to talk to God in a real straight-up fashion. Because the bottom line for us is, if we don't step into this intimacy with God, and if we don't continue in this intimacy with God, we're missing out on the support and blessing God wants us to give us, uh, God wants to give us through our relationship with him.
Thanks, Andy. Brilliant points, Chris. Also brilliant points. They were points that I was going to make, so um, I might just uh, pray. <laughs> uh, I've been reflecting on uh, why we should pray, and I'll be honing in on verses 11, 12 and 13 uh, from the Lord's Prayer. But before I do, I'd like to get some comfort that you and I are on the, we're on the same page, because uh, we have been reading that systematic theology book. It is about this big. And I feel theologically advanced, so I just want to see if you're, uh, you're with me. So I have some notes here on some simple truths and, uh, of, of God, of his sovereignty, and of his grace. And if you agree uh, with these simple truths, or foundational truths rather, I'd like you to voice a loud and passionate Amen. Okay, so from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, And verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light, the truth. God is mighty and powerful, and all things were made through him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Okay. From John 3, 16, for God so loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son, that whomever, whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The truth, Jesus bore our sin on the cross, and it's by God's grace that we've been saved. Amen? Amen. 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 Brilliant. Okay. Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And from Romans 8.38, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. The truth, what Jesus did on the cross was enough, it paid the price, our salvation is secure. Amen? Amen. Lastly then, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's within Jeremiah. The truth, God is for us, he's not against us. God is love, has demonstrated his love, continues to demonstrate his love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brilliant. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) Then you may agree with me now that those are awesome truths and because of them there's no real need to pray. God created all things. God is in control. God loves me. God said so. My salvation is secure. Apart from saying... A token word of thank you. Case closed. I could zip my lips. God's done it all. Do I need to say any more? That's not right. That's not right. I didn't only repent and God restored me. I repented. God restored me for a purpose. And that purpose is relationship. Why pray? Because it's all about that relationship. I had a relationship once. Um, it was in prep. Yeah, I, I, I had a um, I had a girlfriend. Yeah, her name was Tessa. She was a she was a grade oneer. I know, I know. It was pretty serious. Um, we we dated for ages. My my mates would say, "Oh, Pat's got a girlfriend." Yeah, that's right, fellas. That's right, I do. And uh, 
maybe six months down the track, I was kind of bored of Tessa. She wasn't my ideal girl. Um, she wasn't my type of girl, perhaps. So at her birthday party, um, I said in my little Patrick prep voice, Tessa, I don't want you to be my girlfriend anymore. And the response was just confusion. Huh? I'm not your girlfriend. <laughs> and, ouch. Relationships take communication. If you're not communicating, are you in relationship? If at some point you have accepted Jesus as your saviour, you have a relationship to work on. It's not only between creator and the created. As both Chris and Andy have mentioned, it's deeper. It's between father, heavenly father, and child. If you're a parent, or if you're not, uh, let's all put our parent thinking caps on. Um, As I jump through these points here, what what I think, what I'd assume you desire for a child, for your child. You hope, as a parent, for clear and consistent communication with your children because you love them and you want what's best for them. You want to communicate with your children because you want to see your child grow to their potential. You want to share wisdom, experience and guidance. You want to celebrate their triumphs and you want to comfort through their tragedies. And as a parent, you simply just desire the joys of relationship, of love and of trust. Does our Heavenly Father then share these same desires as an earthly parent does? Well, what does Scripture say? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? I think our Heavenly Father does share those parental desires. Hence, we are to call Him Abba Father. Now, I want to look into, like I said, those three verses, 11, 12 and 13. Because here, it's helped me understand a little bit further why I am to pray and why we should pray. Verse 11, Jesus instructs us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And, and I ask why? Because we already agreed that, that God is for us, his plan isn't to harm us, he's provided salvation, bread. It's a, maybe it's a symbol of an essential item. What are the essentials that you need? Salvation, that's an important essential that we need. And it's been provided through Christ. What else then is essential? All things essential to God's will or to to doing God's will in our Christian life. And And God's will in our lives as a Christian is to become an imitator of his son, to become an imitator of Jesus. Considering... Jesus was righteous, holy and without sin, I can see that there's a a number of essentials that I may be missing in my life. Wouldn't God know what I require? 
Why does Jesus instruct us to pray for these essential things that we may be lacking? Can't God already identify those and and install them into our lives? I'm sure he could. But we pray and we ask for our daily bread because we are to acknowledge that all good and all things and all good things come from God. We are to pray to fulfil his calling and to recognise that it can't be achieved by our own merit and what we have ourselves. We need to ask for strength and for the essentials needed from God. We're to pray for God's provision. Verse 12, let's look into verse 12 of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus instructs us to pray, forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those that sin against us. But I ask why? Again, why pray that when we agreed that what Christ did on the cross was enough? God has separated my sins as far as the east is from the west. Uh, growing up, I was... Um, uh, anyone, who's, who, hands up if you're an only child. Any only child out there? Yeah, we got one! Okay, you may know. <laughs> it's harder to get away with mischief if you're an only child. <laughs> you don't have any brothers and sisters to blame. So, if I took a couple of crayons and a few textures to the wall and gave it a nice three-year-old decoration, um, my parents would know without a doubt who the culprit was. Yet, they'd ask, Patrick, full name treatment because I'm in trouble, was this you? <laughs> What was it going to be? And slowly, the shake of my head would would <laughs> turn into a nod. Part of a parent's role is to apply discipline, and discipline is applied more effectively when Patrick has understood his wrongdoing, when Patrick has accepted his wrongdoing, and perhaps even when Patrick is admitted and taken that wrongdoing to mum and dad before, before they even found out. Both prayer and reading of the scripture are avenues for our Heavenly Father to apply discipline in our lives. It's not in rage, it's not in anger, but God's discipline is applied in love for the bettering of developing a Christ-like character. The last verse I wish to explore is is 13. The final request within the Lord's Prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I ask again, why why should we pray this? Through prayer, we recognise that we're on a journey. A journey towards a changed life that imitates Christ. Through prayer, God extends his power, so that we may resist temptation. Perhaps it is through prior discipline or simply within prayer, acknowledging our weaknesses before the Lord. But he will help you overcome the desires of the sinful nature. Matthew 26:41 says, Keep alert and pray. Otherwise temptation may overpower you. The question again is, is why pray? First and foremost, we can praise God within our prayers 
for those fundamental truths that we all agreed at the beginning. God created all things. God loves you. Your salvation is secure if you've accepted Jesus Christ. We can also praise God within our prayers for, for, for God taking our relationship up a notch. As children of God, we have an opportunity for a privileged intimacy with the Lord Almighty, with our Heavenly Father. Why pray? Because it's a two-way relationship where your Heavenly Father, like a, like a perfect parent, finds joy in providing for their children and the physical needs and the character-building essentials. Why pray? Because it's a two-way relationship where your Heavenly Father wants to see and help his children grow to their potential. And that potential is becoming an outstanding example of Christ. Why pray? Uh, Jim, how do you say his surname? Chimbala? Chimbala, yeah. He, he was the, um, the author of the prayer studies that we did within um, our Monty Leadership Program. He said, th- he said this, I don't want any of us to suffer the tragedy of a life summed up by these words from scripture. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's within James 4.2. We pray because communication with God is a gift and it's a good one. I think I'd like to pray now for us all in what we've learnt about prayer and, uh, and that we can apply or that we can consider what we've learnt about prayer assess our own prayer lives, perhaps make some changes, perhaps deepen our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, first and foremost, for that title that you ask us to call you. And we can call you Abba Father. And that comes with implications. Like a parent, as a parent, looks out for their children and wants the best for their children, wants to grow and deepen that relationship so you have that same desire. That's what a, what a privileged position and we thank you for that now. Father, help us be active in our communication with you. Help us come to you in prayer more often and with a real, honest and open heart and attitude to prayer. Help us, Lord, to, to or remind us, Lord, that it's a two-way communication, that we can speak to you and you can speak to us. Father, because we pray to you because we want to become better examples and better imitators of your Son, of Jesus We want to fulfil your calling. Help us do that this week and in our lives ahead. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Chris, Andy and I have really appreciated uh, the time and the opportunity uh, that we've had to share. Um, I might invite these three guys up. Two guys up, rather. (laughs) I'm already here. And um, because we'd like to, before you uh, jump out, have a cup of coffee, we just want to pose... A question, and we want to pose your first, or yeah, we want to impose your first topic of conversation with the person next to you, or when you're out there having a coffee. Can the first thing you say or ask is, "How's your prayer life? 
how's my prayer life? Is there something I need to change in my prayer life? As you go out there for a coffee, can you talk about prayer? Um, Chris, Andy and myself want to make ourselves available up here um, if anyone would like to pray with us. We're quite keen on prayer. If anyone would like to join us for some prayer time here, you're most welcome too. But thank you.